Sup, Drew? Hey. <laughs> Welcome to How College Works. So today I thought we'd go a little bit field of where we're normally talking about the institutions that are inside of a college or university and how those operate and how those make the college basically work. And do a little bit of funsies for all of us and talk about regalia, about academic regalia, and a little bit of where that comes from and a little bit about how to read that. How, like, what can you understand about your professors based on what they wear at commencement and graduation? So I thought we would start with Drew, since uh, Drew actually knows more about where everything <laughs> comes from than Melody or I, <laughs> strange as that is. So Drew, could you enlighten Melody and I about what is the origins yeah. of these archaic robes that we are wearing? Well, Not right I'm, now, I'm, but... We're I'm wearing them dumb. now. <laughs> I'm no expert. I'm sure there's somebody that knows more than me, but here's what I've kind of uh, observed, I guess, is that um, in just several years ago, I joined the Catholic Church as an adult, and they have a separate class for that for, versus the, you know, as, when you go through as a child, I guess. So part of that was we had to go to the cathedral, and the bishop came out with uh, his regalia on and like the full-on shepherd's crook nice. uh, staff and mm. they did the whole ritual and the entire congregation in the cathedral has to walk up to the communicants and the and the the initiates the uh, you know offered i can't remember what they call us anyway um <laughs> and lay literally like physically lay hands on during that that ceremony so you know in theory Jesus has touched all of us, right? As right, a, yes. But this anyway, so apostolic succession. Like right. All of those little rituals and rites is, is very similar to what we did when we picked up our diploma or received our hood or, you know, we had to dress in the appropriate, you know, we were actually wearing robes. And so ah. was everybody else on the platform. And you have to say the proper words and everything. So this is, this is for I, the... for. For the Catholic uh, right. initiation, and, and for, and, or whatever. Sorry, I don't know. Parallels for your bachelor's and your master's and your doctorate as well. The not the actual words, but the the series um, and the ritual of it, mm -hmm. because those original universities in you know Bologna and Sorbonne and and those the other ones in the 1100s were born out of monasteries, mm -hmm. out of the church. So they. They're born out of the the church tradition in the 1100s and, and later, and they picked up a lot of that ritual for, you know, initiating people in mm -hmm. and made it on the academic side. So I saw a lot of parallels, and I'm just, you know, as I'm going through that uh, Catholic initiation, I'm, you know, recognizing uh, when I had just gotten my master's degree like a year or two previous, I was like, wow, we're doing almost the same thing the, the music's different yes <laughs> I you know the the masters are already sitting up on the platform and who are already initiated mm -hmm. and they ask you a series of questions and you answer appropriately and and the entire congregation is is witnessing while they hand you the the items that signify that you're that you've joined so we had to each go up and the bishop actually like you know, anointed my mm -hmm. head and everything, just like when you receive your master's hood. You right, you, like yeah, you go up and you sort of kneel down, and they and somebody else, you don't hood yourself, somebody right. else who has already 
has a master's or usually a PhD, mm-hmm. places the hood over you while you're actually facing the audience while that happens. And then they wow. hood you, and then you re-put on your hair and your, and your hat and everything, and then you, get, then you get handed your diploma, I think, after that. Is that right? I don't hood know. Hood and diploma? Maybe diploma than hood. Anyway, it's it's one of like the the hood is one of the signifiers. Well, so that you know that I had just because the, those two things happened to me within a couple of years, I saw all of those parallels, and and um, I know that we had talked about it in some of my history classes. Yeah, that that those original universities are are lifting that ritual mm-hmm. and and using it for you know the academic side of the monastery, as it were. Yeah, and that's I, changed. That's not to say like, oh, university's just ripping off religion. That's yeah. it came from. It grew out of it. That those those the Sorbonne and, and Bologna those those were places of learning, because they were monasteries and monasteries were places were where learning sort of was happening. And so, the modern university system has grown out and sort of evolved out of those monastic traditions, uh, and it even shows up in my title. So we talked last time that melody that if if I go to play the bongos in South America, I will still be Dr. Highland, mm-hmm. but my job is my job right now is professor, and you must profess. And I well yeah, and that and if I understand correctly, which I may not, and again, if you find somebody who knows more than me, you should probably believe them, that you are a professor when you were trusted to profess the the correct things, right? You are a lecturer when you could be trusted to to lecture, to read the scripture, to read properly. Yeah, lectio is actually the reading of the of the word, right? Yeah. Same yeah, root as lectern. I do you know. not know enough stuff. <laughs> <laughs> At a sort of deep level, my job is grown out. It comes from a position hundreds of years ago. Thousands? Hundreds. Millions. No. When someone would have had my job title would have been trusted within the monastic tradition to effectively to teach, to interpret, to profess the right to, meaning. To profess the, the orthodoxy. Yes, yeah. yes. Not heresy. Yeah. And that's the trouble that, this is a little aside, Pope Gregory was in there cleaning up. That's my patron saint, by the way. Um, okay, good to know. Uh, okay. yeah, he's the patron saint of teachers and musicians. Uh, so really, yeah, oh exactly gosh. you. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but one of those things that he did was clean up the education system in the church and say, oh, you guys are, you know, over here and over there and outside of the, the realm, we're, we're teaching stuff that is non-Orthodox and we need to correct it. So that's one of the things he attempted. Mm-hmm. And it's up for debate how effective that was but anyway yeah so. I mean I mean we have end up having similar things actually in the Academy which is how we refer to ourselves those of us who are professors in that we have standards accreditation bodies you know professional organizations and we generally want to sort of have a, a rough codification of what say a physics degree means or an English degree or a music degree means if you're not doing that you are not a heretic, but you may not be, your department may not be accredited. At some level, you, you do leave the club, though there are not religious implications to it. But there is a similar sort of 
codifying and, and maintaining of a level of rigor and content. Right. You know, this also reminds me of how in the in the trades, even back in 1100 or whatever, we would have guilds, and the mm-hmm. um, as you know, the trumpet guild is the the oldest and first and best, of course, um, music guild, musician guild. Naturally, that yes. was out there. We have a couple of tiles on some church roof all the guilds that helped out and they did the same thing they would it would it would be a, a standards to join and a different kind of mode than the university or the monastery right right and wouldn't they break your front teeth out if they found you playing trumpet not being a guild member i don't know but that would stop you playing for a while yeah. <laughs> it's very sort of very organized crime kind of feeling to that particular story well, you know trumpet guild secrets i can't share on air here but... <laughs> Or you you have to break my kneecaps or something? Yeah, it's, it's you have to you have to join the guild. I paid my dues. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so that's kind of the tradition that universities have come out of, and so it makes a lot of sense that our sartorial expression of our authority and and who we are also sort of comes out of that monastic robe tradition, and that those. Those black black robes that you're well not always black but most often black robes that your professors wear during opening convocation and during graduation those are styled on they come from monastic robes not as simple burlap or anything like that anymore <laughs> and that has sort of trickled down yeah and the colors meant something then too I mean the the depending on your sect of your monastic monkery, tradition. I don't know, you know, Jesuit or Benedictine Capuchin. or Gregorian would be different, or white, brown, and black, depending on where you are in the in Europe. Yeah, I, I wanted mean, to be a Jesuit when I grew up. Can women be Jesuits? No. Okay. <laughs> they cannot. So that that came. That didn't work out for me. Yeah. Okay. That explains why. I had to settle. Had to settle. <laughs> but you know, so cappuccino is called a cappuccino because the frothy mix on the yeah. top is this similar to the color of the hoods of a capuchin monk. Wow, I random believe... knowledge you didn't know you needed to know. Well, you don't need to know, okay. but you know. Capuchin? Capuchin. Okay. The capuchin monkeys also the same naming because of the, their their head, the fur on their head is oh, light. There's a monkey? There's a capuchin monkey, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, next time I play like Trivial Pursuit, I'm on it. <laughs> yes. We can form a team. We'll know lots of things. To those two things. Yes. (laughs) That style of dress has trickled down as well. This is why high schoolers wear graduation robes that look like they do. They are sort of denuded versions of my Ph.D. robes. Because you get more swag. You get Yes, you get more (laughs) swag. You get more bling as you get, well, maybe not bling specifically. I don't know. It depends on how much you want to pay. That's true. That's true. So I guess I, you know, that's what we were discussing last time was, or mentioned last round was um, the colors on the inside of the hood, and they're different by college, but they're also kind of theoretically, you know, a degree in education has a blue somewhere in it, a light blue. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and but they're still different by college. And what, what do those three stripes on your shoulder mean? Oh, on the uh, shoulders, Sergeant? No way. <laughs> no. So the. Uh, the, so if you look at your professor's robes, 
some of them, most of them probably, if you're going to a large school, will have three velvet bands on their upper arm. That means PhD. So my robes, which I wear when I go to convocation and graduation, anything else that requires formal attire, academic formal attire, my robes have three velvet bands on both my sleeves. And that's how you can tell that I have a PhD. So if you had a, a, a not like an EDD or some other, or, a, or an MD? Oh, I should say a doctorate. Yeah, Those mean doctorate. So if you have an EDD, they have three bands. And a JD does as well, I think. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, and this is where the Supreme Court also has the same style of regalia that means something. Their, their robes are from their Juris Doctorate, right? Yeah, I think so. Unless they have special, I mean, I've not studied the Supreme Court. Unless they have special robes to wear while they're sitting on the Supreme Court that are different than your... Yeah, no, they, there's a method by which they receive them, which is why Ruth Bader Ginsburg has a silk ruffle or lace oh, ruffle. I just thought she was stylish. She has two collars, one for when she agrees and one for dissenting, actually. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I didn't yeah. see that. But, so master's gowns are different, though. They don't, so like we have yeah. the velvet bars, but they have the cool wizard sleeves. Yeah, so, so masters, right. so you, you, you wore these, Drew. Yeah, the bachelor's degree is just a black gown. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe some tassels if you're like, cool. stole whatever, if you're, mm. you know, really special. And then the masters have those long sleeves that hang down like Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're like a foot, two feet High long. Level. Yeah, you can put a cell phone in there. Yeah, they're good pockets. Yeah. Great. And the the hood also. The hood also comes with the masters. Which is also, like, practically useless. You can't really wear it as a hood. No, no, it it is totally, like, style. It has zero function. Well, it it has a choking function. (laughs) You're right. Yeah, so it's... And then, uh, yeah, well, that's the main difference is those, those long sleeves in my hood. That's the only way you can tell me. Yeah, so in your your robe, regardless of color, has no bands on it. Right. So so your sleeves, your upper sleeves have no have no decoration to them. True. They're plain. They're plain, yes. But you got the wizard sleeves to make up. But for. you got yeah. You know, that's the thing, is it's not simply decoration. It's it's uh, it's symbology and it means something. So we, I I couldn't wear that or I'd be lying. The initiates know what the symbols mean. Right. Well, it's like being in, in a branch of the military at a lo- like a low level in that if, if I look at some, somebody in, the, in, say, the Marines, I look at their shoulder, I know there's a difference, but I can't tell you, like, who's a master sergeant and who's a sergeant and, or whatever, whereas somebody who's gone to the Marines will be able to tell you in an instant. Like, and you have to be able to salute at, as they walk down the hall before they get a certain distance from you. Right. Like you have to be able to identify off their collar what if they're higher ranked than you and salute. Exactly. I, wish I got saluted. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> I'm not. It would make it easier to get through the halls during passing time. It would. Uh, this looks cool. <laughs> I just read incidentally this morning. I just read a some Wikipedia articles about the the Roman legions and then the way they indicated rank of centurions and and foci. The guys that had been honorably discharged but chosen to re-enlist with their commander oh. were like a step above, and they got an indication somehow on their uniform, and 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 usually a, like a centurion staff made yeah. out of fine wood that you can 
slap people with like a riding crop and you're just putting other soldiers like you're a rank above so you're allowed to beat the other soldiers there's a there's a long history of this this type of you know the clothing indicates something yeah absolutely absolutely well and another like distinction besides the wizard sleeves um, are the hats that PhD or doctorate people can wear. They can wear tams. Yeah, they can wear tams. So I'm not cool enough to own a tam right now. So, so one of the things which we talked about last time is that the it's a payday loan. I think. <laughs> so do you have to go, Drew? I do have to step out, but I will. I will listen to the rest of this episode uh, once it's published, so I can hear. What you have to say? Sure, absolutely. We're going to talk about how we can have TAMs. Yes. But we don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for starting us off, Drew. That was really very interesting. Yeah, well, so glad to be here every week. <laughs> thanks for knowing more than we know. <laughs> well. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Later. So, as we discussed last time, there are some standards that are nominally followed. <laughs> I looked it up because you were like, me, 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 blah, blah, blah. Apparently, there is the in, there's a, a code, the intercollegiate code, which yes. sets out a detailed uniform scheme of yep. academic regalia I, that is voluntarily followed by many, though not all, yep. institutions entirely adhere yes. to it. But for the most part, most do. colors yes. are a thing. Yes, but you can, you can find exceptions. Yeah, clearly. And I've certainly had colleagues who get really worked up during graduation because everyone's not everyone's hoods match what they need to match so the so there's a standard set of colors for the lining of the hood the hood itself it's technical is outside is supposed to be black or match your your robe color and the lining of the hood is supposed to have the colors of what you're supposed to have but the way our hoods are worn, because they are, they are not functional as hoods, but rather functional as advertisements of our degree, is that they're basically turned inside out. Yeah. The stuff that hangs down our backs is, is, would technically be the inside of the hood, and it shows the colored velvet inside the hood that anomaly tells you our field. Right? Yes, but we all have... Well, not we all have, but we have both have doctorates of philosophy, so our velvet is both dark blue. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. Yes, but there's also, I have red. Yes. Because of University of Wisconsin-Madison, and red is the color. Is it just red? I can't remember. It might be red and white. I mean, go Badgers and all, but uh, it wasn't really going to a lot of football games oh. or hockey games. Those are basically... Yeah, so that and the bars on my on my sleeve tell you that I am, I'm a doctorate. I have a doctorate, I should say. I, I am a doctorate. <laughs> I am a doctor. But. Yeah, so like we both have the the blue velvet and then like the satin. Like it's usually two different colors slashed together yes. for your school, and so mine are orange and black for Oklahoma State. Yeah, so if you're watching your professor's process, we almost always process. If I'm wearing my robes, I'm processing somewhere. Or can you also recess? <laughs> we tend to recess as well. We tend to process in and recess out. And recess out. But you'll notice that some of the, I mean, most of us will have mortar boards, the okay. same as you wear when you graduate high school. Yeah. Some will have what's called a TAM, which I think is the same 
thing is like the Scottish Tam O'Shanter? It is. Well, I looked it up, and that's where it originates from. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah. Yeah, so the Tam looks like a mortarboard, except it's a pillow. <laughs> And it, well, and there are some puffy. that have sides, like eight yes. different There's sides. There's also what, what my wife and I refer to as the Octotam. Octotam. Which is the eight-sided, soft, puffy pillow hat. The ones I've seen are like made of luscious velvet. <laughs> Naturally, yes. <laughs> Same way my hood is supposed to be lined with velvet. Yeah. And they always look really nice, but you mm -hmm. they don't come whenever you rent regalia. They don't come with TAM, so you have to buy your own TAM if you want to sport the TAM. Right, so there's, so there's two things going on. One is that a, an institution decides what their doctorate robes, including the headpiece, is going to be. What colors. So some people, I know people, I think it's Berkeley has this like bright red robe. It's, it's kind of violent. <laughs> Violently red. It is crimson. It is an intense PhD robe <laughs> to see. Um, but they also decide whether it's going to be a mortarboard or whether it's going to be a TAM or whether it's going to be an octotam. Though you can, if you wish, buy whatever you want. So if, if you wanted to get, if I wanted to get a TAM, I, I could spend the money on that. Even though UW-Madison, as a PhD, I walked with a mortarboard. But I could, I could buy one if I really wanted to. Uh, apparently, Arizona State, um, their doctoral gown is maroon with black velvet trim, and they have a black tan. Mm -hmm. There are plenty that have just black. Yeah. Um, or they have, like, black with orange piping. Yes. Um, the piping looks sharp. Yeah. I it, won't deny that. And I think whenever I kind of looked into it, because I was like, oh, I'm going to have to wear regalia. Maybe I should just buy some. By the way, it's expensive. It is $600 for a... Bear, bear for, for the basic version if you want to have not polyester yeah if you want to have velvet if you want to have the full deal if you want to have pockets because the standard ropes don't, don't have, have pockets it's a real problem then you she's been way over a thousand dollars on some of these some of these things. oh yeah i the, when i was just looking at something that i thought was a little nicer it was like you know eight for sure yeah. solidly eight so, uh, I didn't buy it. <laughs> so if you really know your stuff, and to be fair, I think most professors don't, you can identify what degree somebody holds and where it is from. So based on their robe color, you can determine what institution they have graduated from and whether they have a PhD or a master's and what field it is in. We should totally go get degrees from the University of Washington. Why? They have purple hoods. Ooh. And their gowns are purple with purple, purple velvet panels and gold trim, and they have a purple hexagon tan. Wow, <laughs> that's intense. They're totally. But I'll tell you where we need to go. To if you really want to up your regalia game, right? Keep keep this in mind, students. Yeah, because when you're choosing a university, go with one who has the coolest regalia. It's yeah. um, I I want to say it's like Sweden or Norway. Oh oh, do they get the ones who get the the swords? They get swords and top hats. I don't know about top hats. <laughs> so, so their their headgear is literally a top hat, and part of their regalia is a ceremonial saber. Oh, a saber. I'm Not just a sword, Not but like, you know, a saber, which is just the coolest thing ever. 
But again, I cannot be bothered to go back to grad school for six years. I can't do that. I just can't do it. <laughs> I've done it once. That's enough. There's uh, no amount of cool regalia that can get you there, huh? If it wasn't just a total lie, I'd just you know, buy it. But as you say, like if you buy a PhD robes without a PhD, you are lying. You are falsifying. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I'm saving up for a TAM. Okay. <laughs> They're not that expensive, but it, I always forget until it's about time to wear regalia. And then, of course, you have to, like, measure your head and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, oh, forget it. I don't need one. <laughs> you could inherit one, which sometimes happens. Sometimes a faculty member will have bought robes. Oh. And then when they retire or die, <laughs> another faculty member sort of inherits those robes. So you can, you can find, I've had colleagues previously with some kind of ratty looking robes. Like Ron's, whenever he goes to like the dance and his mom gave him, how yeah. do you want, okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he's wearing like these old robes and Harry gets like the new stylish robes, or like that? Yeah, sort of like that. So the old, or, or how in um, a really down and out professor in British dramas or, or stories has like tattered robes, mm. moving towards the tattered robe side of things. Well, if you're in academia for a long time, we have to wear ours twice a year. Yes. Well, actually three times this year because we had uh, inauguration for yeah. our new president. That's true. And then... Um, processed for that as well. Processed and recessed. <laughs> but like, I mean, and usually you have them dry cleaned or you don't, you just Febreze them. <laughs> I mean, you wear them for an hour or two. But sometimes that's a really hot, sweaty hour. I mean, my previous institution was in North Texas, but still in Texas, and graduation started at 8 a.m. because you, you would they bounce. had to do it outside, and man, that was rough. But I still feel that at my student's graduation, even though I'm wearing a black robe, I might, I will take off the mortarboard, I'll take off the hat, that's okay with me, but I was a junior faculty member, so I didn't say anything, but colleagues who were like unzipping their robes, oh. I thought that was disrespectful. Yeah, I just sweat it out. Yeah. When I try to dress, like, you know, for breathable yeah. circulation stuff. Yeah. You can't really see so much of what's going on under, you know, what we're wearing under our robes. Although, I do try to plan to understand that all you really see of me is, like, my calf and down, you know. And so, shorts is not a good option because that I look like a flasher. <laughs> if I'm walking around with just, like, these bare legs sticking out from this robe and some shoes, it's, it's not professional. I could say that. Anyway, regalia is kind of cool. <laughs> kind of not. <laughs> it can be hot, especially if you have the low-level polyester ones. But not polyester, not a breathable fabric. No, not. Not at all. Yeah. One day, I'll get my own. <laughs> I don't know when. We're lucky enough that our institution rents them for us. Yes. Because renting them can be like what, seventy five, eighty dollars? It's like yeah, it's like twenty five dollars an event or something like that in my previous institution where I had to pay for it. Yeah. It was twenty five dollars for commencement and it was fifty dollars because it was assumed we go to baccalaureate and then also graduation. Uh, it was seventy five dollars a year. Yeah, so at that point, like seven years, you might as well have purchased one because you're, and you're going to need it much more than that if you're going to yeah. stay. In the like one of the rules of thumb that, that I've heard other uh, colleagues say is like, once you get tenure, you buy the robes. Oh. Because oh. then you know you're going to be there. Nah. I mean, ideally you wouldn't, but you can jet after tenure. 
You could, I mean, you could, but usually you make a lateral move. Yeah, if that's you're true. Mov- you're moving to another tenured position because some other school really wants you if you're, you know, hot stuff. But that doesn't, like, change your regalia. No, it doesn't. I mean, if you true. don't make tenure, you're probably going to apply for another faculty position, but you're much more likely looking than otherwise, looking at changing career paths. Ugh, I don't want to think about that. It's depressing. I think you'll be fine. I mean, I have a backup plan, so we're good. Raising dogs? Goats. Go- <laughs> <laughs> I want to have a goat farm. It, nice. might, it might just turn into the plan. If, uh, yeah, who knows? <laughs> it goes well enough. Your side job of goat raising? Yeah, I don't actually own a goat yet. <laughs> Nor do I have property for any goats. I, you, you could go all um, hipster on it and raise sheep to mow other people's yards. You can do goats for that, too. There was like this group of goats that would mow... Um, that would mow uh, the parks in the Stillwater where I used to live. Mm-hmm. They're like, the goats are at the blah blah park, and they had a Facebook page, and you could go look at the goats eating the grass, and they were adorable. Nice. Yeah. Well, anyway. So if all this doesn't <laughs> work out, and we don't need to know about regalia at all, we'll, we'll open yeah. a goat business. I'll learn more about goats and how to make artisanal cheese. Yes. <laughs> So, thank you for listening. If you want to get me a question, you can reach me on Twitter at Dr. Hyland, D-O-C-T-O-R-H-Y-L-A-N-D. Or if you have a longer question or some feedback to give, you can reach us uh, at my Gmail account, which is peter.o.hyland, H-Y-L-A-N-D, at gmail.com. All right, see you next week.